All right, hope everybody's doing good. We are here today with a teacher, horn player, musician here in Kansas City, Mark Hamlin. How you doing? Yeah, nice to see you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for being here, man. My pleasure. Um, yeah, so we we don't know each other very well. We just met like literally five minutes ago, and uh, we have a couple couple buddies in common. Scotty McBee, we both know. He's a great, great musician in town. He was on the show already, um, but... Uh, he mentioned mentioned your name to have some some maybe good stuff to say, but since since we don't know each other, tell me uh, tell me a little bit about how you started playing and how you know your music background. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and Scotty had said uh, I should come talk to you because uh, he and I have very similar philosophy of music and uh, music education in particular. And so uh, yeah, my background is uh, I've been teaching elementary music, like general music, kindergarten to fifth grade for eighteen mm -hmm. years, uh, wow. which I didn't expect to do when I went to college. Uh, and then I play trumpet uh, and keyboards and uh, am one of five singers in a, a variety band that we do mostly weddings. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and that actually didn't expect to get playing keyboards, for instance, either realized along the way that you can play trumpet with one hand and keys with the other. So uh, that way it makes it easier when you have a smaller band, you know, we can have, uh, if we're all singing and I'm playing two instruments, then we, we have a six piece, but it sounds like, you know, as big as some 12 piece bands, but it's easier to find a time to rehearse or not have to call somebody into sub on a, on a gig or something like that. So that simplifies yeah. things a lot. So yes, a lot of the stuff I just ended up along the way, uh, not expecting to be where I am as far as that goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in college I did study trumpet as my major instrument, uh, but then I played just as much bass and orchestra and played in jazz and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also played electric bass and rock bands and things. Mm -hmm. And then um, I actually even, when I got out of college, didn't expect to keep playing much trumpet and thought, well, I'll mm. probably just end up playing bass in some bands because you know everybody needs bass and and uh, but trumpet not so much and kind of just fell in with some guys that were doing like a funk band at the time and was mm. like oh man I love doing this stuff yeah. and then went from there to eventually uh, running my own variety band like I said so uh, yeah some of it you just never know where it's going yeah that's cool man yeah I, and that happens a lot I think for for myself definitely junior year I was like yeah I like this I really like this music stuff and I, I think I want to be public school orchestra you know I, I definitely yeah. and then I ended up going like I don't know if public is good for me but I definitely like teaching so I went to private but country music was was mine probably of what you were just talking about where I'm like man I hate country music screw that stuff you know but but then I played in a band and I was like man this is kind of not so bad I kind of you know and so I really really shifted my uh was it was that weird to 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 go through and and kind of prepare for one thing a little bit and then go well eh, I kind of, like like even your general music I mean you, it sounds like you didn't plan on that necessarily yeah well and a similar experience where you're talking about oh I had this plan for uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be teaching this I, I went in thinking well I'm gonna teach band and, right uh, mm -hmm. you know first thinking like oh it'd be great to teach high school band mm -hmm. uh, I realized along the way man you can do more good by teaching beginners and I thought well I'll teach middle school band and mm -hmm. then I realized along the way there too wait wait the real beginners are kindergartners and, right you know, in yeah. public school you know yeah. not I mean, even fourth fifth yeah yeah, yeah 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 and I mean really you know if you can teach them before they're in kindergarten that's even better mm -hmm. you know but you know it's like a, a main gig me being able to say oh I can teach kindergartners I've actually been thinking lately about you know oh maybe I'll start teaching you know, preschool out, outside or, yeah. Yeah, of what I'm doing now, you know, I've, I've talked to my wife many times uh, about how uh, when I retire, you know, I'd love to teach like maybe at a Montessori school where mm -hmm. they've got younger students, uh, you know, plus just, yeah. plus just the Montessori concept I like philosophically as well. And it's real mm -hmm. good for kids, uh, the child centered aspect of things. Oh yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah, I started with uh, hoping to do that. And basically I, I, 
during the class about how to teach elementary music because my, my certification is kindergarten through 12th grade, mm -hmm. so which would include K through five general music. So I have all the same uh, education for that as like a vocal major. So right. a lot of people don't get that uh, mm -hmm. because you know a lot of elementary is teaching vocal. But uh, but yeah, when I took that class, that's what made me realize, oh wow, like I could really do more good here. Uh, mm -hmm. And I went out, to, you know, to teach like you know, 15-minute mini lessons in different classes of different teachers. And the first one I did was like uh, the the superstar music teacher in the area. I, I did a mini lesson for her, mm -hmm. and she pulled me aside afterwards and was like, "That was great. Whenever you teach that concept, do it exactly like that in the future." Um, and then she went and told my professor the same thing, you know, and said, "Oh, this guy, you know, he really needs to teach elementary music." And and the professor said, "Oh no, he, he's he's a band guy. He wants to teach band and everything." And by the end of that class, though, I was like, "No, I really, yeah, I want to teach elementary music." Yeah, so. he liked it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah, I would never tell somebody to do this nowadays, but. Uh, at the time, when I went out to interview, applications, everything, I only applied for like K through five, K through six positions. Mm -hmm. uh, like yeah. if it didn't have kindergarten, then I didn't even apply. Now I would tell somebody, you know, just apply for any job you can get mm -hmm. as far as, you know, teaching in the public school. But, right. but at the time that I was like, nope, I do not want to teach anything else. That's what I want to do. That's cool. So I know for, so with the, the general ed and, and doing little kids as opposed to middle school, high school, adult. I have a lot of trouble with little kids, like like just. And my mom teach. I've said this on the show a lot. My mom taught special ed K through six for a long time, and she was, she was joking that a lot of her paras would come in, and be like, "Man, I can't even like think that low." You know what I mean? Like with with that we're dealing with these basic concepts like high and low, like high and low sounds or something. And she's like, they were like, "I can't even," you know what. What comes before just working out two plus two or something or ha half, you know, of something, you know, these these basic concepts that you that you're doing, and and she was talking about well you write it, if they don't get the write it then you bring them a little block and they do it physically and then you know you you got to go back to more concrete stuff and I have a really hard time with, with just dealing with, like. When I want to get into mu when I want to get into music things, and they won't stand still, you know what I mean. So that's the like I, I'm obsessed with the step before the step of gotcha. learning the concept. So before we even learn an alphabet, I mean they have to sit there nicely. Yeah, and you know case, what I mean. So so the behavior is what happens before because you can't gotcha. get to this if they're walking around. Yeah, you have to get them to sit there first. And they're actually barely, you know, barely paying attention. But you got to get that before you. Do you, do you have trouble? I just have trouble with that. With, gotcha. with going going all the way back down to, and that that's helped recently for me to start trying to think that way. Where if so, for example, if I'm reading, and they can't read, I'm like, oh, okay, well hold on. So they first of all don't know what a measure is. So we need to go back to the measure. <laughs> what what is a measure day you know teaching and then if they don't know the measure day oh they don't know this is a quarter note okay so we need to go back to you know what is a quarter note day you know and then like oh wait yeah they don't know what number it is because they can't literally show they can't point to it you know so I was like we I want to be here you know I want I want to just get on with it and like work on some actual dynamics and work on some actual interesting stuff but we have to go back to this stage 
You yeah. Know, do you do you ever? I don't know. So if you part think of it, of well, you've thrown out a bunch of stuff here. So yeah. part of it, like you were talking about, uh, especially with the age students I do, when we're talking about starting kindergarten, first grade, or second graders, you've got uh, like if you look at Piaget, it's like pre-operational learners and concrete mm-hmm. operational learners. So that that can really change uh, how you would approach things with those students. Like you're saying, you know, here are physical blocks for math. That's right. that's a really important step mm-hmm. that you just don't want to skip. Absolutely. So that they understand what you're doing and why and what it really is, you know, rather than just giving them this abstract concept. Yeah. So that happens a lot with music too. And a lot of the time people try and do that too early. Uh, and not just with kids, even with adults when you're teaching them like to start with an abstract concept rather than do starting Do that abstract by, too early. Yeah, yeah. Rather, or rather yeah. than just starting by making music. So, I mean, the, the biggest thing there is uh, to have like such a solid foundation of making music before even trying to tackle the abstract concepts or uh, trying to tackle the, the reading, which you know is an abstract concept really as well. Mm. Uh, if you think about it, like a lot of the time people make the analogy between music and language. You know, music isn't technically a language, but it's very similar in so many ways. Right. And one of the ways is, is you know, we all grow up and before you get to kindergarten, uh, you're speaking all the time. Yeah. You're fluent already at speaking by the time you get there. You may have some problems and right. use double negatives or whatever it is, yeah. you know, or irregular verbs a lot of the time I hear kids use wrong. So there, there are some things to fix, but for the most part, you know, by the time they get to kindergarten, they are fluent in, in, in the language. Right. Then they begin to learn to read. You know, then they learn the concepts of, uh, of how to read as well uh, and breaking things down. But until then, you know, it doesn't really make much sense. So a, a lot of that, uh, yeah, I, I used to always be like, okay, I'm not going to teach any of that kind of stuff really until first grade. And in, in kindergarten, we get this super solid foundation. You know, mm-hmm. they get the beat solid as a rock. Right. I get them singing on pitch with a good tone. Then they have these years of it solid their, as a rock, but... Yeah, yeah, they develop their ear, they develop a vocabulary, all those things. Um, recently, I went to a workshop, and then I went and studied uh, for a week. Uh, I took a class from... A guy named John Fyrobin, uh-huh. and uh, and he flat out says, "Look, the first three years don't even bother teaching reading. Like you're going to develop this yeah. even more solid than than what I was planning on doing." And I thought, man, yeah, I went and took the class, and I was like, "Yeah, this is really the way to go. Yeah. Uh, you get them so solid on this before you even worry about like what is a quarter note, really." Because that's the Suzuki idea, obviously. Sure, is, is Suzuki kind of is is mm-hmm. like hard on them with ear and they they get all this internalized everything yeah and then they're like dude reading is easy you know they can figure it out sure. later but this stuff is not easy and and they're gonna get it at, like me as a three-year-old you know starting violin you know it's so it's like and yeah i i think i think you're probably right about that and so the so you mentioned something interesting so you're so we were talking about the idea of you start them kindergarten with this these like sort of drills or foundational stuff. And I've heard a lot of people recently have a very different perspective on that. And some people agree with that in the sense that you want to get this stuff and then they have the muscle memory for these years to come. Sure. But then other people are talking about, no, 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 you make it majorly fun first. You, you grab them kind of emotionally and then you can take them wherever they want because they're like with you as the teacher, they trust you, they, you know, and so, what I always want to try to do is I'm like, no foundations first, right? No quarter note first, you know, and like all the kind of drilly. 
really kind of st- do you know what I mean? Like, I how, how do you feel I think about you have that? To, I think you have to put the two together in that sense where it's still like everything has to be musical, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I know, you know, as an instrumentalist, you grow up and you're like, oh, I learned my scales and stuff like that, right? Uh, but, you know, what I'm thinking is, okay, anything that I'm teaching really has to be put into a musical context. Right. Uh, and as much as possible, especially, you know, when I'm teaching uh, young kids like this. Uh, a lot of the time, they don't know what they're learning. You yeah, know, they they're know learning they're something that they don't even know. You know, I'm intentionally doing a song in the Dorian mode so that they are familiar with that. They have no idea that they're learning this new mode. But you know, you're not saying Dorian, Dorian, Dorian. Never. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they don't care. No yeah, need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't help either. You know? right. If anything, that's one of the, I think the tricky things about uh, being a teacher is knowing when to tell them what, as far as that goes, and yeah. when to just do right. things. Right. You know, which is also tricky too as a teacher because even if my principal comes in the room, uh, you know. I, I have to make sure to say after a lesson, catch them later at lunch or something and say, hey, by the way, here are all the things we we're working on that you wouldn't have noticed, you know, just because... Because you don't know Yeah, you know, just because it's something, here, yeah. you know, that, that you would have probably never thought about. Like, they were learning all these things even though it's not explicit, which a lot of... There's a lot of pushes in education have, like, um, you know, I can statements and everything. Right. And every lesson the students know, may they maybe fit, say, like, by the end of this lesson, I can do blah, 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 you know, this kind of thing. But a lot of the time, it's just like, no, no, no. You're just gonna have, you know, a musical experience the whole way through, and by the end of it, you've gotten better at these things. Right, and all so, so that's that's probably very similar again to the Suzuki, where they don't know what they're doing, but they're hearing this Dorian mode over and over, and that's probably what happened to me. Is I remember a big light bulb with like theory in high school, you know, where that junior senior year, it finally dawned. I think it was probably the theory teacher, because I took a theory class in high school, I think it was probably happy birthday or something, and she's like, happy birthday to you, you know, and I was like, oh, these are chords, you know, and I'd heard chords, and so I could tell very easily when the chord was changing, but I didn't know it was called chords, you know, so that's probably, probably a wiser idea of what you're talking about where, and I probably do this really badly, is even... The younger kids, maybe even fourth, seventh grade, I want to explain too much. Why? I want to explain the why we're doing this, but I need to keep remembering that, yes, I'm trying to give them verbal context of why we're standing here doing this stupid thing right now, but they don't care. They they don't care why. We're just doing it, especially the kindergartners. So would you say that that would be a piece of advice is like the... You're obviously explaining the song, explaining the exercise, but not in the why you need to know this kind of stuff too sometimes. early. Yeah, it's the too early sometimes. Yeah. You know? It just depends. Uh, that's I think that's one of the harder things about teaching, honestly. I mean, I think that as teachers, we need to always be thinking about the why and not right. just do things because that's the way we were taught or, right. you know, or because of anything, really. I mean, you have to think that through. Uh, and then I think a lot of the time it is important for, important for students to know why they're doing certain things. Uh, right. But like with kindergartners, I don't when they come in and we, we get our voices warmed up and get into head voice and things like that by just making silly sounds and stuff and siren noises and all these kind of things. Ooh. Like you know, yeah, I certainly don't need to explain to kindergartners at the, you know at the beginning of the year that oh what we're doing is warming up these muscles and I'm trying to get you in head voice instead of chest voice. You know, yeah, see all I don't that need to stuff. Explain yeah, any of that right, stuff, you yeah. Know, so, but you know, it is it is certainly you know something that as they. Uh, grow older that they absolutely can can know about. Yeah. So it's a part of it's just when they they learn that kind of thing. Right. The and my mom I know has been talking to me a lot about doing music games, especially for the kid. Sure. And, and that's something that I've definitely been fighting really hard because it just seems dumb and stupid and like, but, but she keeps reminding me that these kids they don't think it's stupid. 
Yeah. You know, this little silly game that you yeah, feel like fun. a turd. You know, you're you're an adult doing this, like, even the siren sounds. I know why the choir guys do that to get, you know, but it's not even... Because my mom, with dealing with the special ed kids so young, she was doing... She's doing the, like, siren soundy kind of things, but only because it's fun. And that that's the grab them part, you know, where they're doing this fun little thing with their voice and they have fun in music class and then eventually we get to th some actual real like stuff you know in your class but you're you're trying to get them with the game and do, do you think that's really important to use like a lot of game kind of stuff with the little kids yeah so uh like one of the philosophies then is that like children learn best in an environment of play basically you yeah. know which a lot of the time might mean a game and some of the the element of play is like not musical in itself you know that there's just a game and you happen to be making music and it all fits together right. but uh, then there's other things where like for instance the play is i'm taking a musical concept and i'm experimenting with it during an improvisation mm -hmm. and like that's how i'm playing you know like what Marcellus talks about, like, you know, when you're dribbling the basketball and at first it's hard just to get it going, but then after a while you mix it up and you, you know, right. you're just playing around with it, experimenting, like same kind of thing. And then as far as the, uh, like, the aspect you were talking about a minute ago, uh, James Galway's book, The uh, Inner Game of Music, like he talks about, I've he's like the triangle. Else talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I think Scotty brought it up on your show Maybe, too. Yeah. And uh, like I actually have that triangle in my room. Uh, it's part of our like mission mm. statement for music. I teach at a school that we do the seven habits and each class is supposed to have a mission statement. And ours is that uh, you know we're going to perform, experience, and learn uh, by making music together. Yeah. So that's our mission. And so the perform part, you know, is sounding good, looking good when you're dancing, all those things. Right. Experience is having a great time, which I thought you know about like maybe I should put the word fun there. But uh, for the little kids, you know, that might make more sense. Uh, for the older kids, especially, I tell them, you know, the experience isn't necessarily just the fun thing. Like sometimes we will sing a sad song, and you need to like get that you know emotion yeah. into it, or we're gonna sing a spooky song or scary song, and it's not exactly fun in the same way right. as singing a silly yeah. song. So you know, so I think that uh, to answer that question essentially is that 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 triangle kind of shifts a little bit sometimes. Where sometimes you're doing more learning then, you know, obviously when you're really woodshedding something, then the performance sounds bad a lot of the time, you know. So I'll tell the kids that, like, all right, we're working on this thing right now. Uh, brand new finger on recorder, whatever it is, you know. Here's a new chord on the guitar. Right. Like, you're going to sound bad today for quite a while. You're right. going to sound a little bit bad the next time. And, you know, after a few lessons, like, we're going to have it down super solid. And I expect it to sound good then, you know. Right. And, you know, hey, it's not going to be quite as much fun when you're first learning this. We're going to woodshed it a little bit. But then after that, like, we're going to jump back into the song, you know, and there it is. Mm. It's going to be more fun. And the trick for some of that is to just try and make that part as short as possible and then bring it into something musical as soon as possible. So even if you have, like, a little exercise kind of thing you're doing, somehow try and fit that into a song. Like, it might be that mm. you, you sing a song, and then for the B section, they're working on that other little thing. And, and so it, it fits it into something musical, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like in, in elementary, a lot of the time we use a lot of rondos where we'll have an A section, yeah. and then for the B section, they'll be working on this thing, or it'll be a small group perform something they've created, or everybody improvises, or different people improvise, you know. So it, uh, a lot of the time that gives them a chance to, to do something musical and then also be working on the learning part at the same time. Mm -hmm. And ideally, then, that experience is still musical, you know, basically fun. Right. And I'm obsessed with it, even right there. Like, I would know, okay, the purpose for doing this is to make them understand, like, form of music, right? That there's sure. not just one section, and, and this song has X, Y, and Z structure to it. And, and I would want to sit there and, like, explain why we're doing this, and da, 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 and, and I just need to... 
Just well, need to learn it, you know. Yeah. I mean, you do it, and you, you do, do explain a tiny it. bit, but it's yeah. just that the first time we do a rondo, then I don't explain it, you know. And then after we've done rondos plenty of times, then it's like, hey, by the way, this is called a rondo. A something different, maybe. Yeah. And we, you know, uh, a lot but of you time, wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't linger on that, right? I mean, you say they need to know, but you yeah. Would, yeah, I mean, we don't. See, I would want to linger to it, it yeah. just for no reason, you know, just because well, I feel like. If it's experiential, then a yeah. lot of the time you don't have to spend as much time on it anyway. Like, for instance, uh, during the A section, everybody does the same movement together that we've made up as a group. Right. But during the B section, just this group does a movement that's different. And during the C, another group does a movement that's different that they created. And, you know, you find some way to show through the music, through the movement, to match the music in each section. And then, you know, you put it on the board, A, B, A, C, A. And then you're right. like, oh, by the way, your, your part is the C section. You know, your part right. is B. And then uh, everybody knows, you know, oh, okay, I get it. You know, and right. you don't have to spend a whole lot of time talking about it because you're doing it mm -hmm. uh, you know they they get it real quick that way yeah that's cool I found too with little kids that I'm, I'm having to adjust my analogies too because they really get an I think they understand analogies for sure but like using more like food and animals and stuff like you yeah. know and then adults you're talking Fun about stuff. like romance and I mean you, you're just changing the, the your your descriptions of things and I, I, I found I'm trying to do that better too, or like a lot of a lot of late elementary definitely understand like sports analogies if they played some baseball or something. You know, I mean, you got to. That was just another thing that I had to like re. You know, retwist up in my mind. I'm like, I can't. They've never dated. You know, they don't know what sure. I'm talking about. I got to talk about like hot dogs and stuff. You know, they. they yeah. That was just another. I I just have a lot of trouble. I, I've been trying to get better. And you mentioned the movement stuff too, which is interesting. I, because my mom would do a lot of movement stuff in her class where, okay, we jump up and down on this part and then this part you turn around and this part, you know, and that stuff, I think, I think I'd be not in the minority here where a lot of us see that as just really, really dumb and silly. I'm like, why are we doing that? You know, but, but that's the, to me, that's the grab them. So that, that's the, cause the. They're, yeah, they're going to sit here like they, for a half an hour and be perfectly behaved and they're not, you know, like, dude, you got to like natural, get It's not natural, first of all. It's yeah. not natural. Just sitting for yeah. a long period of time. I mean, certainly kids do it when they're watching TV and movies and things like that. But in general, I mean, kids need to be up moving around yeah. a lot. Uh, it's just something that they need. I mean, frankly, adults too. We, we need a lot more yeah. than most adults do. Uh, and also, I mean, part of the catch there is, you know, you just have to make sure that it is expressive. Uh, Laban, uh, L-A-B-A-N. Uh, it was real popular for uh, concepts about how he broke things down. Like you were talking about mm -hmm. before, like what are the things before those things? Yeah. You know, and so he broke down it and came up with a great system, and which a lot of ORF teachers have used. Like you were talking before about um, uh, uh, Suzuki. Yeah. And then so like you know a lot of the the contemporary stuff, uh, ORF Schulwerk from Karl Orff, mm -hmm. and then. Um, uh, Kadai, Zoltan Kadai. Mm -hmm. So, like, those are big uh, pedagogies and philosophies of music that are very similar in a lot of ways, and and, and very mm -hmm. similar too with right. with Suzuki, especially in that concept we were talking earlier about sound before symbol. So, right. like, before you're introducing all the reading, like that they can make the music in the first place. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, if so, for anybody that wants to learn more about some of the concepts we're talking about, you know, looking up some info about those. Uh, particularly would be great. Another book I was just thinking about too, uh, uh, ABCs and Music, uh, Doug Goodkin, and uh, it reminded me because one of them was F for fun, and uh, it's kind of like one of his pet peeves that everybody's like, fun, you know, and he's like, well, what is fun, you know, and, and yeah. uh, you know, if you look up definitions of fun and stuff, you're like, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's something that's it's like really not, abstract, not important yeah, even, you know yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of the time it's like something that, you know, 
Uh, I've talked it's about not even that. important. It's like no, this yeah. is important, you know. And it's not just fun. It's also these other things. It's basically like an aesthetic experience. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I look at it. Like, okay, I need to try and give my students an aesthetic experience every time they come to music class. Uh, but then they also need to learn something, whether that is mm-hmm. explicit, like, oh, now I know this new concept, right. or now I've just uh, got a better vocabulary for rhythm and pitch, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, or. Uh, the same thing about the performing thing. Like every time they come, they need to sound good at something too, you know, which is part of the experience. So you know, that perform experience learn thing is just like a good framework for me all the time to think about learning. My own learning too, I use it for basically like everything, not just music. One of the great things about learning music and learning how to learn music then is that uh, a lot of those concepts fit for everything else that you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. anytime that you're learning anything as a, as a human being, it's like same kind of thing. Even the movement aspect, you know, just adding that kinesthetic to something else that you're learning can can boost that learning and mm-hmm. you know make it more interesting and more memorable like all those things yeah i that you you talked about the stuff that's fun i was used like schindler's list as an example i mean playing that music is not fun and it's not the I same know. kind of fun you know mm-hmm. but it's the trying to get it perfect sort of as a symphony player or something is like that it's not fun but you you want to get it perfect you yeah. know that it's the challenge of it is sort of in the you know, the ballpark of fun, you know, mm-hmm. you have to change your definition, but you talked about the fun and then the work that I think that's the, one of these three hugest, hardest things about teachers is, is a teaching is to find that balance is that you can't just Nazi drill sergeant them, you know I mean? You just can't, but, but at the same time, if you just, if you just make it fun, then they're, you know, they're not any good, <laughs> you know. Sure. I mean, they, you need it, and so I, I always find a trouble with that of finding that balance, especially for the high schoolers or whatever. Of, yeah, you know, when I know that they could probably take me, or they they could probably handle me pushing them a little bit, but keeping that fun there, so they want to come back, you know, and and fight. And I always struggle with the understanding with the self esteemy kinds of stuff, where a lot of the self esteem. I would argue comes from not just me telling you you're good, but you feeling it that you, I can play this two page tune now oh, yeah. and I can feel that I'm doing it. Oh yeah. So I, my argument would always be like, but until you get there, we have to do some drills. Like you have to, you have to go through this stuff to be able to even put your third finger perfectly right there. Boom, boom, yeah. boom. And so I always struggle with what's going to make them come back. And some of the other teachers that I've heard, oh, just be nice, 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 you know, is, is the only way in the games, 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 you know, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I don't know. Like the, the eighth graders that stick around, I mean, I, I think that they've, they're feeling that they've played about three or four years now and they can like play a two page tune and yeah. they can feel that they're doing something. So I don't know, and this is a really, you know, really rough question but where you know i mean where exactly is that balance of giving yeah. a, it's a it's a that hard is one of the hard things and, you know uh, that's one of the hard things as a teacher it's like that, that same performance experience learn thing where uh like what i tell my students then is the learning part sometimes when i'm like this is hard or they'll tell me like this is hard yeah absolutely it's hard uh pe teacher i used to work with always said uh, and i've stolen this from him like if it was easy everybody would do it you know mm-hmm. yeah i don't know if you've noticed but most people can't play guitar but when you leave fifth grade you can you know, but it wasn't easy. Yeah, it's. I mean, when I'm gonna teach you a new chord, yep. Yeah, at first, it's gonna be hard, and it gets easier. Um, I explained to them some of the brain research about, like, you know, 
making connections in your brain, showing picture and everything about dendrites and how basically, you know, your brain is, is figuring out like, oh, the first time that you say, oh, I'm going to move this, this finger, you know, at first, you know, you might be like, your brain's like, oh, I'm moving these two together. Oh, it's, I'm doing it, you know, but yeah. basically, you know, yeah, you got to do that thousands of times. And once you've done it thousands of times, then your brain's starting to go, oh, you know, I need to just make this a, a better connection between these parts to say, zoom, you know, just makes it happen immediately. You don't even have to think about it anymore. So at first it's hard, but if you just do it enough times, then your brain starts to make that connection to say, no, 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 no. You, you keep doing this over and over and over again. I don't want to have to keep trying to figure out how to get from here to here. I'm just going to make a connection between the two, done, bam, that finger moves. So, you know, I, I tell them some of those things. And yeah, even that, like games, uh, when we're, for instance, first playing recorder and they have to be able to move just their third finger, uh, which is, you know, the trickiest one to do, then we just do games where we're like keeping the beat along uh, with something, you know, at first I'll do like eight on each finger, but it's along to music and just kind of making it fun and silly as, as we go and then tell them, all right, that's your homework. Go home and practice that. And when your parents look at you and go, what are you doing? You say, I'm doing my homework, you know, and they're like, you know, just make it fun as far as that goes. And I have so many kids come back then. Uh, over the next several weeks before we're playing recorder and they're like, yeah, watch, I got this, you know, I've been practicing and, you know, they're excited about it. So, so part of it is just making that kind of stuff fun. Uh, and I tell them too, as far as the, the learning part goes, uh, look, you know, yeah, if, if you just came in here for kindergarten, you left in fifth grade and all we did was say, oh, we're going to have fun every time and we're going to do stuff that sounds really good. Then in fifth grade, we'd still be singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and going on a bear hunt. And, uh, you know, like, no, you need to leave fifth grade, you know, singing, you know, difficult music and harmony. You know, you need to leave fifth grade playing difficult rhythms where everybody's got something different going on all at once. Like, this is, yeah, it's not easy. You know, once again, if it was, everybody would. And Which is honestly, too, part of the reason I got into, well, that is the, re the reason I got into music education in the first place was that our our society is just not musically uh, participate. We don't participate as a society in music making like, uh, like basically humans used to for like all of human history until very recently, you know, when you look at the big grand scheme of things, mm -hmm. you know, all humans forever until just recently, uh, as in just recently, maybe you might say hundreds of years, but still, you know, the last hundred years with recording, for sure, a lot of people now are just like, oh, okay, it's a commodity, I buy this thing and I listen to it. But before that, you know, yeah, people were either all singing along, playing instruments together, dancing, like that was just something that communally just everybody did. In like yeah. pretty much every society, you know. Well, I'm sure every society. That's interesting. How many? Yeah, because I mean, everybody was going to church. We sang all at church. Everybody go when they went to a party. They were all dancing. That's a good point. Where we've yeah. lost that. We, yeah. we've lost that. It, you think about villages. They they absolutely like everybody would know the dances and do them together. Uh, yeah. It's not like you would necessarily if you think way back it's not like somebody was hiring a band or something like that it was just no everybody in the community knew like hey these people play some music while these people well everybody else can dance and you know we sing a lot of songs together and you know that's just how it would be yeah uh, if you think i mean there are still places in the world where that's still the norm where you know people do work songs and and those kids grow up musical and they don't have a music teacher you know they just grow up because you know they're on their mom's back while mom is is pounding the beat right. and singing a song and of course, like, you know, by the time they can walk, like, they're really solid at that beat because they've been yeah, feeling yeah. it and they've been hearing it. And then, you know, I'm just like, I've been saying, I'm a huge fan of Suzuki because I did it, but that, that's one of the things that they say is you, if you go listen to music all day, I mean, you're going to start osmosising a whole lot of stuff, you sure. know, and that's why they, they make you go, you know, you have your first book and they make you go listen to all these songs before you even think about trying to play them. Yeah. You know, and you're listening to them for two months. So you've heard, you've heard this song a hundred times easy, you know, yeah. by that. And 
and then uh, and then you you start playing that song, but here in another two months when you're now a Go Talent Roadie and Oh Come Little Children or whatever song, you know, that well now you've listened to that song another hundred times before you get to this one and and that's something that I wish that we would do more in the public schools, like for orchestra or what, and I don't even know how they would do that. I mean, or just encourage more to just sit there and listen to a lot of music. Um, Cause we just kind of play and I, I don't know how we would really do that in orchestra. I mean, you get an elementary uh, usually three, is, three is half an hours a week, you know, to sure. I mean, so you can't just take the whole time sitting there listening to music. In general music, the way we work it in is is uh, movement. You know, yeah. that's the way. Um, but you're so playing, but you're playing listening. something on the CD, and they're moving. Exactly, so you're yeah. sitting there and blaring it in so their they ear. Might, they're listening to a classic yeah. piece of classical music. Yeah. You know, and during that same time, you know, they're hearing this, and it's great music. And then they're creating movement to it, or I'm giving the movement for some mm -hmm. of it. You know, all those kind of things. So a lot of the time, you know, that's the. I mean, in, in orchestra. Uh, teachers could do the same thing, especially if they came from a background in elementary where they were used to that mm -hmm. uh, and saying like, okay, we're going to be doing movement during this so you can hear it. Right. Um, you know, part of the beauty of it too is uh, a lot of uh, music learning really is uh, mental practice and uh, especially when you're away from your instrument or something, to be able to mentally practice is really powerful. So mm -hmm. uh, once once you do get to the point where you're telling kids about certain concepts and you're you know like, oh, hey, by the way, these pitches we've sang so many times, we've played in, on instruments and things, maybe on mallets or what have you, that, that's me, Rado. Listen, you know, here, where can we find it in this song? And then they find it in that song. And, right, you know, I mean, see those connections. Yeah, yeah, yeah some yeah. of it's amazing. I, uh, you, you just don't expect it where uh, one year, for instance, at the end of the school year, we had all the kids together in the gym uh, and the PE teacher was teaching some dances and they might be like, country line dances and things and then for one of them he did Macarena and you know I had a second grader that was like so excited and came up to me as soon as we got done with Macarena you know my, my first instinct is to be like this better be important you should be back in your spot right now we're all trying to do something together you know but he's like he's like Macarena it's so me do and I was like Oh yeah, it is. It's like so me, so me do. You know that feels good, right? He's so As a excited, teacher, you know. Yeah, yeah feels, he's so, you know. he found it in that pop song, and yeah. pop songs have those those same you know concepts that we're teaching all the time with, yeah. uh, especially with pitches. So many of them are pentatonic, and uh, you know generally a lot of people start with the pentatonic scale when they're uh, teaching you know mm. pitches of solfege, or especially with improvisation, especially because right. with the pentatonic scale, it's you know you can kind of get to that like you know not as many chances to have wrong notes or no, not as discordant if several people are improvising at the same time with pentatonic scale. So, and it's just all over the place in pop music so the kids can pick that out once they you know, get used oh, to that, yeah, totally. those concepts. Well, that, that's, that's really cool, man. And, and I know that we need a lot of uh, younger or teachers that are good with young kids, you know, and, and I, I think it's a special, it's a special kind of person that, that it's a different, it's a different animal. It's a different animal teaching kindergartners as opposed to eleventh graders. I mean, it's just totally different, and I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you really enjoy that. Um, on on a different on a different note, one thing that I've been thinking about lately is thinking about all of us as musicians and how we how we deal with life of of kind of making money and fi finding work and all that kind of stuff. And I think both of us are are both of us are are lucky and also not lucky that we love teaching so much that we have this kind of day gig i guess you know of sure. the giggers you know and they're trying to scrounge around for you know 16 gigs a month or something or sure. eight gigs a month and they, it's just not there you know and then they're like okay well what do i do now and you're lucky to have or 
again, lucky and not lucky, you know, to, to yeah. be good at teaching. And so you, and for me teaching privately and, and then I can also do my gigs sort of on the side instead yeah. of the teaching feeling like it's on the side. Gotcha. I, I, I guarantee that you feel like the teaching is the main and the gigs yeah. are extra Absolutely. instead of the other way around. Mm -hmm. And so like, what do you, do you have any thoughts on just kind of the business side of music and dealing with, you know, Sure. Finding enough money for to make a living and gotcha. you know, what's your well yeah as you were saying I mean for me it's it is on the side uh, when I first started playing you know as a the gig is on the side yeah. exactly yeah and earlier in my career I needed the money more because you know as you the longer you teach you move your way up the salary scale uh, but uh, you know for me it is just something where it's like I really love doing this I wouldn't do it if I didn't want to just play music on the side you know mm -hmm. and so uh, so for me that's different and I'm not like counting on like you're saying guys trying to get 16 gigs a month or whatever I'm happy if at the end of the year it averages out to about one a month some some months we'll have three gigs mm -hmm. some months we'll have zero and it all averages out just fine that's fine with me I actually don't want to play you know every single weekend um, mm -hmm. you know honestly like I wouldn't want to play three weekends a month uh, you know every month so uh, for me it is just something I enjoy doing uh, and so that that's part of the framework for me that I, I have to keep that in mind the whole time you know mm -hmm. um, but yeah as far as the, the business end of things uh, I would say then it and I'm only gonna speak from somebody who doesn't have to just book tons of gigs all the time uh, for me a big part of that is just to keep it enjoyable in every way that you can uh, some of that for me is things like making my gear compact and easy to load everything up like I, I have to load a PA yeah. because I'm the band leader yeah. so I've got a minivan that never has seats in it and I load everything up there but you know we've got it down to where it's like hey we've got this stuff all on wheels and then we can stack maybe this on top of it we have mm -hmm. you know the the subs are relatively small but put out plenty of power and they sound good you know just things like that and so you know they're not that heavy just you know little things like that can make a huge difference for me mm -hmm. about how I feel about you know oh, doing yeah. my job I mean musicians like to joke about you know oh playing's fun what we get paid for is you know setting Loading up and tear down yeah, yeah exactly right yeah I mean the playing part is fun especially if you're doing something you love like my band uh, like I love playing jazz and during dinner we play just instrumental jazz and we do old classic stuff mm -hmm. you know, just great songs that the audience knows you know everybody's heard Girl from Ipanema it's a great song though the chord progression is so much fun to solo mm -hmm. over you know it's just great and then so we, as a band we intentionally pick stuff that we like doing for that and then during dance set like same thing uh, you know we play such a wide variety which is part of what's fun for me about it mm -hmm. uh, plus it's very marketable uh, you know there are bands that are like we are this kind of band we just play blues or we just play funk or we just play 80s or whatever it is and there's certainly a market for that uh, when you're going to play like weddings like we do a lot of or even corporate parties it's great to have this huge variety of stuff because uh, you know they see that and they can go oh yeah we like we like this 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 and you know you have a wedding you got everybody from little kids to you know extremely old people like everything in between mm -hmm. so it's great to have this wide variety for everybody yeah. you know and then then you get to know certain songs that like everybody in that range loves too uh, so there's mm -hmm. you know there's That's, something to be said yeah. for that so I mean I don't know how helpful I'm being for somebody as far as the business mm -hmm. part of that but to me those are like a lot of the keys uh, plus just the making it fun part uh, I remember uh, when I was first playing in, uh, it was like the second funk band I played in after college, and uh, we always played some songs that I was just like, man, these are just not quality songs. I hate to have to do this, you know, sort of thing. And uh, like the example I always have in my head was like, play that funky music, White Boy. And sure. I was just like, oh my goodness. Well, that, like, that's wedding funk, right? Even, it's, uh, it's in the, the genre of yeah, wedding funk, but you I mean, know. Even like, the lyrics, it's just cringe, Brick House, you know? right? And yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah, Brick House, like right some of those that. songs, you know. 
uh, everybody's tired of playing Mustang Sally, sure, you know, those kind yeah. of things. And uh, But, I mean, some of them, some of the songs just aren't that good quality in the first place. And it occurred to me at some point, okay, you know, it's like, now I teach my kids be proactive, you know, which is basically like the change your mindset to say, like, I'm going to have fun with this. So I remember the day that me and this saxophone player turned to each other and it's like, you know what, let's just have as much fun as possible with this song, even though it's just a cheese ball song that we neither of us really like. And now it's like, you know, we don't play that in my band normally. Like, we have some songs that are only by request, like some of the ones we just mentioned, Brick House, for instance. Uh, that, but that 20 that only, everybody hates to do only by request salad. you know and there's some I, I think there are some in that list that I like playing and the rest yeah. of my band probably does like playing that we usually do play yeah. uh, Don't Stop Believing for instance you yeah. know like we play that like every night pretty much because I actually yeah. enjoy playing that song it's fun yeah I, I've, that, that song is growing on me I didn't like yep, anything 80s but now I used to hate that song but now now I'm kind of mm -hmm. I, I used to hate that song, but I absolutely love playing it. It's a lot of fun. Oh, and, you know, I play the keys, so that's kind of fun, too. I mean, it is like a main part of right, the song. So yeah. I'm sure, sure there's something to be said for sometimes, like, which part you have in a song. But, yeah. but even, you know, like, I, I played for a year uh, in a band just for fun. Like, you know, we just played out, uh, you know, at some clubs and stuff. Nothing, nothing big, but I played drums for a year. A friend of mine was like, hey, you want to come play drums? And I was like, I'm not a very good drummer. You know, I learned a little bit in college and everything like that. And I was like, but I'll, I'll come audition with you guys. I promise I'll practice. And I'll learn the stuff, but it uh, does not hurt my feelings. Feel like no, no, not too good. And uh, sure enough, yeah, I showed up and played just okay. And they were like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I, we know you'll practice, we know you. And I was like, all right, cool. So, uh, but there, like you know, some of the songs you're just doing the same thing all the way through. And mm -hmm. and, and for me as a drummer, like I, uh, I enjoyed saying, oh, I'm laying down a great groove for everybody. I'm not going to try and show off a fill or anything, you yeah. know. And especially because you know you get kind of tired sometimes for somebody that overplays, especially on an instrument like that. Mm -hmm. it's, that's not your role in a lot of. In a lot of we've, talk, the band. We've, we've talked about that on many yeah. shows. Of my there are bands where that is the drummer's role, but in general, that tends to not be exactly. Turds. And so, yeah, I mean, sometimes you're just doing that same groove over and over with very little variation, and you just have to say, like, how can I make this fun, you know? Which to me, I learned a lot by doing that for a year because it, it actually helped open up my ears to hear everything else when I wasn't playing a pitched instrument to where I felt like it helped That's me actually hear everybody else because I could focus on that in a different way that I wasn't producing a pitch to also hear, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, yeah, which we don't get to, we don't get to experience like unless you move over to drums and then you're, you're like, you're not playing pitches and you yeah. get to sit there and listen to all the pitches yeah you know and, yeah. and yeah was it was it the inner game there's one of the books that he he, he talks about uh you've got the duet going like what you hear in your head and what you're producing and you're trying to make those two things yeah. match you know and i think by just not producing pitches on the drums it was easier to like really tune into everything going on which you know as a trumpet player i should be doing just as much you know it's just uh, help refine that skill i think mm -hmm. you said a couple interesting things there so one about the choosing of the songs in the band as the band leader so I know uh, I had an epiphany when I got to talk with Lonnie McFadden a little bit, um, and he, he sat down with me for a couple hours one time, and a really nice guy, but he was trying to remind me that it's like, as this 24-year-old, you think you, you think you're having this integrity, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play the covers, and I'm only gonna do my originals. Oh, yeah, I'm a, not gonna do the Mustang Sally. He's yeah, like common attitude. And 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 I kind of it, he didn't really say this exactly, but it, it it occurred to me while I was talking to him like, 
wait a second, I've got 500 CDs. I love cover tunes. What am I talking about? You know what I mean? Like, I'm an idiot. Yeah. What I'm, I'm being not for real here, you know? One thing I'm I've like, heard people I say love, is, uh, yeah. is, is my, my job is to play music other people want to hear. You yes. know? And if that's Mustang Sally, sometimes it is, you know? Like I said, in my band, there are ones that were like only by request, but if people mm. want to hear it, we do. And I, I think that be proactive thing is a really big key to it, though. Like, yeah, it, it, it wasn't a song I was going to pick, but I'm going to have fun with it still. Yeah. You know? And the audience can tell that, too, you know? Right. Uh, it's and it plus it's fun. One of the things I love about what I do is we play dance music and we play for private parties. It's not like we're playing at some club where it depends on how many people show up or something. There are people there for sure, and they came to have a good time right. for sure. They're planning on dancing, you know. Like yeah. so, uh, we always have uh, you know a great crowd basically because mm -hmm. of what I do. Uh, which is one of the things I would tell people too, you know, man, if, if you like dance music, then like playing in a wedding band is a great way to go, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I think that some people might, uh, as a musician, like you were saying, that, that attitude, but just before, mm -hmm. they might look down on that kind of thing, but Brad, man, it's super fun because I feed off their energy, the whole band does, like we play better when people are dancing, yeah. you know, and then it, it's just a, a nice virtuous cycle where then they dance mm -hmm. better and it just keeps on going mm -hmm. back and forth and like the energy in the room is just great which is one of the things I love about live music as opposed to like somebody spinning CDs or records mm -hmm. or whatever as a DJ is that uh, you know there's just that interaction that really really drives things. Oh yeah and and like so when I was thinking about my band it was like kind of a, a 70s 90s rock kind of thing and so I'm like okay I don't have to pick the brick houses I can I can you know take Ramblin' Man, or, you know, Money, Pink Floyd, or, you know, I can think, there's some songs here that I'm not going to feel like the performing monkey, yeah. but that are going to be challenging enough and, and fun, and they're going to be bar friendly, you know, yeah. not just doing ballads the entire set, you know, sure. and so, for example, like, and I've said this before on the show, when I'm like, okay, uh, Riders on the Storm is a cool song, well known, but I don't know if it's super bar friendly. Okay. You know, it's it's it, maybe I need to make that the ballad for the set because it's kind of ballady. It's slow indoors and know your audience. Like, that kind you of kind thing. of know your audience, and so that that kind of helped me think about songs because on both sides, the 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 people that are if the spectrum, you know, if they're too worried about the audience, they're gonna pick a bunch of lame stuff that only the audience cares about, and you're just like, all right, Mustang Sally again, but. The bebop guys can go way too far and go like, man, screw the audience. You know, I'm gonna, I need to play as hard a jazz as I can possibly play. You know, for us, and yeah. this is for us and not for them. And and I don't care about you as as the public. And I think there's a balance there. I think you can still find some stuff that that is. And and then you said something else too about oh yeah. And then when you're up playing with a song, but it is one of those that you maybe don't like, you you. I agree with you that you've got to take this mentality that I'm going to I'm going to make this song as great as it can. I hate it, yeah. but I'm going to make it as great. I'm going to find some way to make that song really I'm going to put in a little a little mini improv on these little ends of phrases or I'm going to find something here something right? to improve the song, something yeah. to improve the song. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, I I agree with that uh uh, well, gosh, there's several things that you said I'd love to chime in. <laughs> but yeah, the improve the song, a lot of the time people, uh, you know, I take it as a big compliment when somebody comes up and says, wow, you played that and it sounded just like the original. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the time we're intentionally doing things to make it sound, yes. to make it sound better than the original, you know, and, and a lot, which a lot of people will tell me that too. They'll, they'll say, you know, oh, wow, your, your version I liked even better. Um, you know, one of my friends, uh, he, he tells me that he's, he, he puts on his, you know, on his iPhone uh, all of our live recordings. 
and that uh, a lot of the time he'll listen to it and then listen to the original and go, wow, yeah, I really like yours better. And that one time it just happened because he had it on shuffle that like our version of Car Wash he listened to and then he listened to the original just happened to pop up right after and he was like, oh man, your version of Car Wash is so much more fun, you know? <laughs> so yeah, we try to. And a lot of the time it could be simple things like we add more vocal harmonies because we've got five people singing. So, you know, we can fatten up a lot of vocal harmonies and things. Mm. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things you can do to it. I mean, the saxophone player we play with is just an incredible musician, a better musician than I am. So we throw in, you know, sax on a lot of things that wouldn't have sax mm. otherwise. Um, I like our version of... Oh, Rolling the Deep, for instance. Like, I love playing that song. We, we threw in a, a guitar solo and a sax solo in the middle of that song, mm -hmm. and it just uh, it makes the song really build right before it cuts back off to just the, the claps right. and the, the, like, you know, just not much going on kind of thing. Just little things like that that you can take the song and mm -hmm. say, I'm going to do this other thing with it. You know, and when people are dancing, man, that's huge. You just, mm -hmm. you know, they love the original song already, but now you throw in this section where it really, you know, now you've got this rocking guitar solo that we then push right into a sax solo where like the drum group changes and we, we go even bigger on it, right. you know, which the audience is not expecting that. Like it already sounds like, wow, there's somebody wailing right. on, on guitar with a distortion. And then all of a sudden somebody's wailing on the saxophone and the whole rhythm section's backing them up. Like, you know, you know, they know, they know what to do to make it just really big and then you just take that and just pop cut it right off to where now it's the breakdown section and like yeah as the as an audience member somebody dancing like that that's way better than the original mm -hmm. you know and and that would that probably wouldn't have been the right choice for a single cut that was supposed to be played on the radio so right. you know there's there's that's that know your audience thing you know you, you got to figure out like how can i make this work for what we're doing oh, yeah. and there's lots of songs that you know we've tried uh like you're talking about oh it's more of a ballad like that kind of thing uh, where there's songs that you just go, you know, how is this going to fit in? Like, can, will this work as a ballad? Or are people going to dance to it? You know, and it, you know, it's hard to know. With what I do, a lot of songs that work real well are ones that people know the lyrics and like to sing along to. You know, mm -hmm. give me the Beat Boys and right. Free My Soul and yeah. I Get Lost in Rock. Yeah, it's great. Boy, you, know? Yeah. you know, or like we were talking about before with uh, Don't Stop Believing or something. You know, mm -hmm. um, I Will Survive. You know, yeah. and some mm -hmm. of those, I mean, like people are tired. A lot of people are tired of playing I Will Survive or Don't Stop Believing. I love playing both of them because the mm -hmm. audience just has so much fun with them, and you know. Uh, at least they have multiple chords in them. <laughs> oh yeah, the chord progression is pretty yeah, fun yeah, for, yeah. Uh, for I Will Survive. You know, it's yeah. basically a jazz progression of, you know, moving up by fours the whole way through. And the, one in our, the one in our band that absolutely drives me nuts is the... Uh, uh, the ba 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 Oh yeah, sure, yeah. What, what is that song? Uh, um, yeah, we play that one too. Yeah, that that one's the one that I'm like, man, if we never played this again, so I'd good, be very. So good. Yeah, right. Yeah, that that's the kind of stuff where I'm just. We like, don't normally right. play that one. We yeah, will that's in the in. Mustang Sally area sure, where yeah. you have that crowd, okay, and then the crowd, and they're having so much fun. Oh, this is so great, you know. It's that's like, not on our every right. gig <laughs> list, but we do play that one every few gigs probably yeah. that we'll just call the song. Uh, Sweet thing Caroline. That we do. That's the name Sweet of Caroline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing we do that I would suggest to anybody that that's like, oh, I you know, I'd like to play. Private parties, weddings, anything when people are dancing like that and everything is don't don't create a set list. Just you mm. call songs on the fly, but everybody has to know the songs well enough, plus they have to be able to just jump right in. Because mm -hmm. you want it to be like a DJ where, you know, the last chord is still holding and I'm counting off the next song and then boom, we're right into it. Because mm -hmm. I mean, it may not seem like very long in the bandstand, but if you got five seconds of dead silence and everybody was dancing and they're like, Okay, people start leaving the dance floor. Mm -hmm. So like you gotta go right into the next thing. Right. A lot of the time yeah. too, it like we'll intentionally have songs where uh, only one instrument starts so that like I can just tell the bass player my girl and he's like got it you know and like he's the only one playing at first and then we all come in and some songs it originally wasn't supposed to be one person playing and we're just like hey why don't we just start this with just guitar 
just drums, mm -hmm. just keys, whatever it is, so that like we can just go right into go it. Right into the next the, the one, audience yeah. is like, you know, the dancers. They're not like, oh no, well, I guess I'm gonna take a break now. They're like, oh yeah, we're still going. Yeah, that's cool, man. And so with the fun kind of idea of being in band and making it fun, the I've found that with talking, kind of going back to the day gig and and choosing your band. It, obviously, us musicians talk to each other all the time, and we're we're all. You know, we're always constantly, oh man, this band, and then, you know, I was in this project, and, you know, these guys suck, and da, da, da. we're all just, you know, you know, yapping to each other. And, but I found that, like, when you have your day gig, that lets up on your, you know, on your gigging, like we talked about, where you don't have to have so much, like, because there's all these pressures. There's the money pressure, and then, and then you have your, your kind of soul pressure, you know, where, yeah. where I'm in this band and I hate it and it's, no, you know, no, 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 and no. then you can't do that. And then so, but I would think that having the day gig puts it because we all know these people that came out of college. Right. And so we're, we're like deep in this, like emotionally, you know, for, and career wise. And so a lot of these guys want to come out and be this, uh, I'm, I'm a gigger. I'm, I'm in the scene and, and they're basically taking anything that comes to them because sure. I need to get that 10 gigs a month. Gotcha. And so, but for somebody like yourself or somebody who teaches privately or somebody who has like a church directorship gig, well, sure. they have this whole other thing or they're a, they work at, you know, full time at UPS or something mm -hmm. and they have yeah. this full time gig. It's not your main thing. And then now they can sit here and be really, and here's, here's my like question for you, I guess is like, everybody has a different deal breaker in a band, which I've been kind of fascinated by. Like what's your deal? You're in a group mm -hmm. and like for some people it might be the band leaders just screaming at us all the time. You know, you guys aren't yeah. doing this right, do this. And then the, another guy is, it might be that I'm playing too many Mustang Sally's. Everybody's yeah, nice, gotcha. but it's just too many stupid. So I think well, I, have, what's your deal I, think I know where, kind of where you're going on yeah. some of these things. I think I have a few tips as far as that goes, uh -huh. you know, which is the number one thing for, for that whole concept of everything you just put out there is make sure that everybody's on the same page and has the same goals in the band. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the reason mine works is because, you know, we don't all have to say we have to have all these gigs for this mm -hmm. to happen. Uh, the reason I've, you know, been able to consistently have the same people in my band is because we are all on the same page there. We, a lot of those kind of bands that like mine, you know, the gigs start to dry up and somebody jumps ship and they go play another band that plays almost all the same songs or something, right? Yeah. You know, so, uh, so mine's different that way where we know like, yeah, we don't have anything in the month of uh, August. Like we literally don't have anything this month. You know, we had three gigs last month, nothing this month. Uh, but nobody in the band is like, well, I didn't get anything this month. I'm gonna start playing with another band. We're all like, yeah, that's fine. You know, it's, it all works. Um, another thing I would say is, you know, if, and maybe some people just can't afford to be picky about it, but, uh, there's no need especially if you're if you're in a situation like me where you have a day gig there's no need to play with somebody who's yelling there's no need to, I've I've played uh, you know for short periods of time with uh, some guys that would get in huge arguments you know and just literally like you said yelling uh, and sometimes they were just arguing like it was the biggest thing about what the intro to the song should be you know yes, and you're just like man right. so yeah and, and my band uh, it's very democratic you know I, I'm technically the leader but mm -hmm. you know I think everybody I know everybody would agree that you know we make all our musical decisions democratically where we, we come to a consensus on like how should we do this you know sometimes somebody throws out an idea and, and then the other people say well here's why I think it's a bad idea and it's all fine and, and nobody's feelings are hurt or anything you know I think there's a lot to be said for being able to have that kind of relationship to where you can disagree about things and mm -hmm. then come to a consensus later where everybody agrees that yeah that was the best choice mm -hmm. you know 
Yeah, I, I agree. Like that, that is kind of a, a whole deal of being on the same page, because it's it's like there there's a bunch of same pages. There's the same page kind of musically where you're choosing certain songs. You know, we're gonna be obviously a wedding dance band, and we need to play this type of stuff. Then you have this other band where we want to be very, very artsy and we're going to be super creative. We're going to, we're going to definitely play these songs, not like the original on purpose, you know, like, you know, and then you have the whole, again, now back to the business side of it of, are we going to be a, let's, let's try to hustle pretty hard and get four to five gigs a month. You know, let's be a gigging band or, you know, this is not that serious if we don't get a cut, you know, if we don't only get one this month, it's all right. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and that's definitely been a. I'll just speak for myself. I, I talked to you before we started about a band when I, in in college, where we were not on the same page with that stuff. You know, I wanted to start pushing, and and they were like, ambition is not for us. You know, my band guy literally said sure. that to me, and, and there you go. You he wasn't he goal. wasn't wrong. You know, mm-hmm. I was mad that he said that, but I, I learned realized later then I, the next band that I was in was in a you know we weren't gigging every weekend but it was three a month and they had a full uh, they had a full email list that they sent out with calendar every month I mean mm-hmm. and they, it was for 58 to 70 I mean there was an older crowd they were playing old country but they, all of their fans were really organized you know I mean yeah. they were just old people and they have their calendars and but they were like like and then you just said, I mean, in and out of the gig was like boom, boom. I mean, they had everything locked down, you know. I mean, yeah. they were professionals and sure. And so it was really cool that I was like, okay, yeah, all of these guys have a day gig, but I'm like, and that was a funny thing for me because that was my first band with the the knucklehead college kids. We were all 24 year olds, you know. I'm like, I got into this band. I'm like, oh, this is not what this always has to be. Sure. It could be this, you know, yeah. and not always this, but it, like this isn't all the time, you know, like every band doesn't work this way where it's sure. a bunch of, you know, complete knuckleheads and they're, you know, and they have no discipline and they're all creative and, you know, don't, don't hurt my flow by all this organization and all this, uh, all this, um, all the serious talk, you know, instead, you know, you get it. And so I don't know. That well, was and for really somebody good. that just wants to play for fun, then yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. If you got like four people that want to get together every week and just write songs together for fun and they're not worried about anything else, mm-hmm. then great. I mean, the thing is, is like none of this has to be for money, you know, it doesn't have to be for any mm-hmm. of this other stuff. I mean, we're just talking about it because we're both professional musicians and right. a lot of people probably watching our, but uh, I mean, you don't have to be. And then anybody that is watching it says like, you know, I really love playing. Maybe I should go play and get these gigs, blah, blah. I mean, you can just play or, you know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have to be. Uh, some of my friends, they just throw a jam session like every Thursday and they play like old country and old rock, a bunch of songs I've never heard of and stuff. Right. They have lots of people that come out every single Thursday and they play for hours. Mm-hmm. It's just for fun, you know? Right. I mean, there's that's a great way to go. And that's the kind of thing I'd like to see more of in our society in general. Like I was talking about mm-hmm. the whole philosophy thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, you were talking about uh, the goals, again, for people in the band and what their thing is. Like, nobody in my band has any inkling that, like, oh, this is going to become a full-time gig. No, we're, yeah. we're not worried about it. Yeah. And we're also not, like, you know, or I'm going to become famous for this or something. You know, you get uh, yeah. people that, uh, like, you know, laymen who a lot of the time be like, oh, well, great, that's you got this band all, you know, maybe you'll 
make it big. Yeah, no, we're a cover yeah, band. We play weddings. There's no, yeah, there's nothing yeah. to do. They with that. don't understand. You know, they, that's yeah, not. Yeah. No, nobody wants to. You know, right. I mean, like I literally don't want to. You know, it's like mm. no, I like what I do. I'd rather teach music than be a famous, you know, musician. Sure. I, I, that's what I want to do. You know, that's but I good. love playing for people. I yeah, love and we and dance. we talked about that a minute ago too of the changing your, changing your outlook, and that was the, that was the, the, false the false hope of, you know, I'm going to become Aerosmith, et cetera, you know, when you're 21, you know, and then you realize that I kind of like this teaching stuff and you're like, well, maybe that's a silly, a silly goal, you know, that, that one, you know, 0.01% of the people get to do, you know, so maybe this is a better idea. Lifestyle is radically different. I mean, even if you're just playing for your full-time gig, your lifestyle is way different than, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're teaching in a public school, you know, it's just, it's a totally different thing. So, you know, you got to consider that type of thing. Like, what is it? Well, what do you want your life to look like in general outside of your playing even, you know, mm-hmm. which, you know, are you off in the evenings or are you playing every night? Mm-hmm. You know, like those are, those are legitimate questions. I mean, part of the reason why I don't want to play every weekend is because I want to do a lot of other fun stuff on right. the weekends, you know, so. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's yeah. absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool, man. So like, I don't know, to, to finish up here, talk a little bit more specifically about kind of some 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 trumpet stuff more like what so here's a question so what is even a even a layman's like guitar player or a a a regular person what is something that's really like challenging about trumpet that a regular person wouldn't know (laughs) gotcha well i mean uh so go listen to people playing live where there's trumpet or trumpets uh and i think that uh a lot of the time even guys who are great players you can go listen to like say a big band or something like that Mm -hmm. if it's not uh, you know, count basic band or something. You, you're not gonna hear raw notes there, but right. a lot of the time uh, you will spot, you will hear more raw notes in the trumpets than anything else. It is just crazy, but it honestly is just it's a weird instrument. As far Dude, that when goes. they when they go up like way high, yeah, <laughs> you hear you hear people cracking notes more than you'll hear on like you will not hear a saxophone player do it all night long, and you'll hear it happen a whole bunch in the trumpet section, you know. And uh, it is some there. It is a difficult instrument in that respect, you know. Mm. I mean, I, like French horn, it's amazing. Like, see, that's what I always thought. I thought French horn would be harder than trumpet. Trumpet because well, you gotta so so tell me if I'm correct here. They're have, very similar. Do you have to <laughs> adjust your pitch like all the time with that, or is it the same on trumpet? Or? It's a weird deal because basically, especially you said they go up high. As you get up higher, the notes basically get closer together. You know, it's kind of similar in a way that like as you go up a fretboard or you go up, you know, that right. that the notes get your fingers are physically yeah. closer. You know, it's kind of similar to that because uh, it goes by the harmonic series. So like mm-hmm. on a trumpet, you'd have like C G C E G out of tune B flat that nobody ever plays and then a C but then after that you start getting like a scale it's like you know C, D, E a G there's kind of like an out of tune right. an F, F sharp in there you know so right. uh, so long story short there man it, it is a weird instrument as far as that goes uh, and I don't know I've thought about this before like why is it that you know I'll hear French horn played a lot of the time and not hear anybody crack a note you know but even if I go out to say like a, well, high schoolers a crack musical notes. oh I mean <laughs> professionals <laughs> You go see yeah. you go see a professional musical a lot of the time, yeah. and you will hear the trumpet player missing notes. You know, yeah. it is yeah. it is a weird instrument as far as that yeah. goes. Uh, and like you know, I, I said I played just as much bass in college, and I played all this other stuff. Like you know, I have no problems playing a four hour gig, not missing a single note on the bass, right. uh, and sometimes playing some really tough stuff. Like in the rock band I played in, we used right. to play 
La Villa Strangiata, for instance, where it had like this. You know, it was like, and I was like, oh yeah, fine, I got that. You know, and I can play that every time. But you know, like still, you know, I'll I'll miss notes, like especially you said when I once I go above the staff on the trumpet. So it is. There's something about it, man. Is there something with the air, maybe? Because air is the main thing. Because like I went to tuba. Because we in college we did that. You know, play all the instruments for for music ed degree. Yeah, and. They were they were talking about definitely flute, and I always say the story because you know they'll even have a random trombone player, and they're trying flute, and then you know all of a sudden they're kind of like, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden they you know they start That's like because of efficiency, yeah. So like they're yeah. wasting a lot of air, right? You know, yeah. what happens actually on a trumpet is the same thing. So generally, people waste a lot of air and aren't very mm. efficient when they play the trumpet, you know. Uh, which usually the advice that you're given is the exact of what you should not do. So band directors and like. People teaching private lessons, they'll tell people over and over, more air, more air, more air. Mm. On trumpet, what you really want to do is use as little air as possible to create that vibration. Because it's not the air traveling through the trumpet, it's a vibration traveling through the trumpet, you know? Mm. Like, you know, if you think about it, you literally wouldn't even have to be pushing air through the thing. If you just have something that makes a vibration and you send it through there and it's the right pitch, you know, it just sets up a standing wave inside the instrument. That's it. So the real That's trick to it actually is using as little air. There's a guy named Jim Manley in St. Louis. He's known for being a screamer. Mm. Uh, although now, uh, since he's basically you know retired, he's like, oh, once I turned 60, I said I was only going to play jazz. By which he means like small combos, you know, mm. playing you know literally while people were eating dinner. Right. Uh, and so like he's just playing like keys, trumpet. You know, nobody wants to hear tons of screaming over that. You know, mm. before that he would play big band stuff and and uh, funk, you know, where he'd play tons of high notes and everything right. like that. So I took lessons with him, totally changed the way I approached the trumpet uh, 20 years ago. And yeah, the real key is actually using less air and being so efficient about it. Right. Uh, people get, you were like this kind of, they get so worried about embouchure, which uh, I was probably in the minority of people who actually did need to change my embouchure. I learned that from, from Winton actually, yeah. when Marcellus pointed out that if, if basically if the ring of the mouthpiece is in the pink, like when you're done playing trumpet, you always see a little indentation from where it's been. If if that is totally in the pink part, then you're gonna have problems with endurance, which I did. So I I changed my uh, my embouchure where instead of like the, the top lip totally spreading out, it was all in the pink and everything, to where you know. The, and now I play a pretty darn small mouthpiece, and uh, and it totally fits within there, so I don't have those endurance problems. But I don't stress at all about like trying to get my embouchure just right anymore. Like. There was a time where I worried about that kind of thing, but basically I just changed my embouchure now. It's just kind of wherever it goes, I'm not worried about. It's it's all about the error that I'm worried about. Yeah, I've heard I, I heard that somebody talking about that recently was singing too, because that it's the same same problem. Is that like Support it's not it's not that. that you're using a lot of air. It's that you're not doing it right. You're not doing it efficiently yeah. or using pushing through when you need to or backing off when you need to air wise and and. That's something that I know that I do a pretty good job of using diaphragm, but sure. I never think about exactly. Obviously, when you're just going and you you know you need to spend a little bit more and hold it here, but I never think about that of the efficiency of the air. I'm just trying to get a lot. Yeah, a you lot know, of it for vo vo man singing is so much more complicated than I think a lot of people that you know never really study yeah. it. You know, do and which you know I didn't study it vocal major in college or anything, mm -hmm. so uh, so I'm certainly not a expert at it but you know there's so much to do with resonance and where you place that and mm -hmm. vowels and everything mm -hmm. that makes such huge difference once again on the efficiency especially yeah. you know depending on where you are in your range and then uh, where the placement is oh man it's yeah. it's and it basically it's the same kind of thing with the trumpet where like it's just about getting that same kind of efficiency out of it mm -hmm. yeah, yeah man i mean, I mean it's yeah a weird trumpet, trumpet seems really cool i i'm a big fan of um 
of, oh, here's a question I had for you. So I'm just not a fan of trombone soloing. I understand. I, I, yeah. And like, I'm a bass player. Uh, you like, know, back I in Louis myself... days, the, the Louis days, yeah. I liked those solos. But when they start, you know, you know yeah. I'm just like, man, so you I sound consider like myself an idiot primarily right now. instruments being trumpet and bass. And I do not want to hear bass solos the vast majority of the time, you know? And, and when they are, I want it to be melodic. Yeah. Like, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it drives me crazy sometimes when I'm like, oh gosh, you're trying to take a bass solo and you're doing something a saxophone player might play that, that would be really hip and like, you know, rhythmically all over here and all this stuff where you're inside, outside or whatever. No, I don't want to hear that. I want to play you being like, mm -hmm. you know, just, or just playing the groove with some fills, like just, you know, th those are my favorite Like when they go too noty, right? And it's, and it's, muddy oh right yeah, yeah. That when, like bass yeah. you know and it's especially when they're not up mm -hmm. you know when they go up on the thing then you can sort of hear some of the notes but when they're down and well, and that's why some some of it has to do with tone quality that's why like the guys that mm -hmm. are playing you know lots of 16s all over the place uh, that are great like victor wooten or something like that mm -hmm. you know those guys have like a big full range sound where you, you're, you're right. not not just like this big fundamental sound, which is what I generally prefer to play as a bassist and not mm. have the big full range with tons of mids and highs in it as well. Mm. Um, so, you know, I mean, there's some, like, there's a place for it. You know, I love going to see Victor Wooten play. He's one of my favorite musicians. But, you know, in most bands, like, that is not what you want to hear. I mean, even in jazz, like, my, my favorite bass solo is probably uh, Clifford Brown's Sandu. Mm. Like, the guy just walks a, a nice bass line. He just walks a 12-bar blues, you know. You know, it's like, that's the solo, you know, while the drum's just barely putting anything, the piano's barely putting anything behind it. And to me, like, that is a great bass solo, something I want to hear as a bass player even. Like, I would rather hear that than some of the crazy stuff that people play on it. So I understand, I think it's the same with the trombone. Like, I would be fine with trombone solos if they're playing something that you would sing as just, like, melodic, not like... You know, but I've got to fit in these bebop licks, and like my phrasing has to be this stuff across the bar, and I won't start on one or you know whatever all these things are that they're mm -hmm. doing. You know, it's like no, 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 play something you would sing. Like well, you said, like play like a Louis Armstrong solo. You know, and if yeah. you listen to Louis Armstrong sing and play his solos, he's doing a lot of the same, like literally even the same phrases. You know, yeah. he'll play the same thing on the trumpet that he did. You know, there. All right. Yeah, man. Well, we're we're probably about about wrapping up here. Um, last thing I wanted to ask you: Did did you have any? Uh, any really fun gig that you've ever played or any any funny teaching moment or any any really you know crazy thing that's ever happened yeah. to you in the music business that yeah i probably have better stuff if i thought about it some but uh pg13 version <laughs> <laughs> well no i mean i think about uh oh yeah another thing like from that inner game uh, he talks about like be a role player sometimes and say oh i'm gonna play it like so and so i'm gonna do this like so and so right and, mm. like that was an inner game of tennis i think originally and he's like yeah like you know, intentionally play for a while, like, I'm the guy that rushes the net all the time, or intentionally play, like, I'm the guy that lays back and volleys just over and over, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I remember one night we were playing this gig, and it was for just a convention that was in town, you know, and they had a, a party at the, the last night of the convention, right? Social studies teachers, if I remember right. And, uh, and we were playing a, a, you know, a funk tune in E, and I just had this thought, like, you know what, I'm on my trumpet solo, I'm just going to play a guitar solo. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do all the, the guitaristic things yeah. that a guitar player guitar would do. Theme. Yeah, like, you know, I'm going to use, you know, not just pentatonic scale and stuff like that, but I'm going to bend notes this certain way and the phrasing like you would yeah. if, if, I was, if I was doing that, you know. And it was wild because, like, 
it was the biggest reaction I'd ever gotten from a crowd dancing while I was playing trumpet. They just went crazy. And like, you know, and then the rest of the night, there were like a couple of people in front that were like, as soon as I would start a solo, they'd be like, he's going again. And like, they, there was, you know, this huge thing, whatever. And you know, it it was a a lesson for me and like, okay, yeah, it is definitely worthwhile to say, I'm going to play like this guy right now and just experiment with those ideas. Mm. But it's also worthwhile to say like, okay, what does this song need? You know, it doesn't need, like we were saying before, you know, this crazy bebop solo. What the song really needs is like, like I'm a guitar player just wailing on a blues scale, right. you know? Yeah, and that's funny. I know, I don't know if you know Rod Fleeman, but uh, he he's a guitar player that really uses a lot of stuff. I mean, he he's not just playing straight horn lines all day. He's, he's using some bands, using some rock chords in his jazz solo. And I, I think that's really, that, I mean, probably you just went into a different spot in your brain, obviously, and then you you exploded with all of this new stuff that you never played before. I mean, that was yeah. probably a big part of it, just that alone. And I, I think that's really cool because we, we can kind of get plateau-y, you know, with our soloing after a while, especially when you're in a, like a dance band where you're playing a lot of the same songs and you, you, you all of a sudden start soloing the same way accidentally 19 gigs in a row, yeah. you know, and coming up with those new ideas sometimes can be I wish somebody tricky. told me this when I was younger, but, you know, I used to try and force things in, like on a gig, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, oh, I'm working on this new thing, I better put it in, right, you know? Uh, like especially on improvisation, you know, oh, I've been working on this thing, I'm gonna do this. Well, no, uh, I wish somebody would just made it more clear to me when I was younger. Like when you're woodshedding, that's when you really work on that stuff. When you go to play a solo and you're just improvising, uh, ideally, basically, you're just not, you know, thinking. Like that, the executive mind isn't doing anything. You're right. You know, it's just whatever comes out. And but you've done it so many times, you've you you basically, you know, got this vocabulary all built in your head to where it just comes right out. And yeah. You're not thinking about it. Like, uh, what's that book? There's another book. It comes with like a meditation CD. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny Werner. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the book, but uh, Effortless Mastery. Uh, and he's basically all about like getting yourself in a, st- in a meditative state while you play. You know, like mm-hmm. kind of like the flow concept right. and everything. Uh, I can't remember the. I, well, I can't even pronounce the researcher's name that talks yeah. about that all the time. But but yeah, like the that you, you when you're actually performing, you need to be in that state where you're not really thinking as far as executive mind goes. But when you go to practice, then you say, "Well, these are my weaknesses." Or, you know, here's this new concept I want to start. I want to start putting the Crimea River lick in my solos more or something, you right. know. But then once you go, once you've done that a bunch and you say, okay, I'm going to start with Crimea River and lead into something else. That's my practice today. Okay, today I'm going to, to play a phrase and I'm going to end it with Crimea River, whatever, you know. Right. But by the uh, by the time you go to the gig, you don't try to do it at all, but it just starts popping out because right. once you're in that state, you've programmed yourself with that vocabulary, you know, good stuff happens. And then it just comes out naturally. Yeah, and plus the groove trying. is better. Like, you know, yeah. when you're in that, when you're in that state, you know the feel, you know, is just way better. Yeah. When you're trying to when you're trying to do anything, you know, the trying part, you know, really mm-hmm. brings down the feel of the music, which is what I mean. What's really about, you know, at the end of the day, like all that stuff we were talking about, you know, it's still got to be like I'm making music and it's this aesthetic experience for me and hopefully for the people that are listening or dancing or singing with me or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, the other musicians in the band, like we got to all work together with each other to say how can we create this aesthetic experience where we do sound good. But you know, it feels good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, man. That's hard. That's hard to do when you're coming up with new stuff to play. But you want to try. But you want to try something. I'll do that with like just one little phrase, like like uh, one that I've tried before that I have trouble with is when jazzers go and they'll be in like E and they'll you know. And then they move up that like so that like would be an example of ones yeah. 
okay, I'm going to play that one, you know, I'll have it in my head. Okay, the, the move up a half step with the same crap I just played, yeah. you know, and so that's one that I'll try and then I'll like fumble it, you know, and but then I'll try it again sometime yeah. and maybe it'll be a little better. But that's but, for woodshed. But, but that's for woodshedding, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'll be like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm Rob, I'm good enough. I'll just, I'll just do it and I'll nail it, you know, and sometimes you do and sometimes you don't, but, you know, because uh, that's, that's the other weird thing is playing in country bands where I'm, I'm a little different because I'm becoming a country player, really. Yeah. You know, I'm really more of a classical guy. Definitely I've done quite a bit of blues now with going to a lot of jams and I definitely have some jazz mind happening you know I, I definitely can think a little bit more like the jazz guys more than country people but so i'm t i'm not soloing like a country guy i'm soloing like something else and so i'll try this stuff and that you know it's it sounds kind of it sounds crazy in country i mean it, it can sound really cool if you do it perfect but it's not, you know, it's not a cliche like what they, you know, babadetta, you know, those little yeah. stupid country cliches that sound so good in country, but then I'll try to like throw in some jazzy thing and that's, sometimes it sounds really awesome, you a know, lot of because the time it's going like, back and forth between those two concepts that can really work. Yeah. And, uh, you were saying the, the throw in the sax solo in a thing when it's not, it doesn't normally have, that's what sure. happens with me a lot whenever I'm in a band because I'm never doing normal violin type music i'm always playing rock and blues and so that happens with every single band i'm in where we're playing blackwater yeah. or not, not not blackwater like hotel california and at the end violin i'm doing baby eden today yeah i'm doing violin solo on mm -hmm. hotel california or gotcha. some random stupid funk song uh -huh. but it's violin and so we're always trying to i come into the same thing as a trumpet player like my friends i was saying that yeah. have that jam session on thursdays like they'll play old country songs and old rock songs and stuff and i'm I, like i showed up one time and there was a guy there it was like the third time i went and he hadn't been there the other two times and uh, he was getting ready to, you know, be like, oh, hey, let's play this song. He's got his lyric sheets out and he's like, and then he's like, oh, well, you know what? And he saw that I, I Trump, he's like, you know, I don't even know any horn songs. And like yeah, everybody else yeah. in the room was like, no, 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 no. He's yeah, just yeah. going to fit in. Don't yeah. worry. And he was like, okay. I mean, I mean, I guess we could try and play a horn song. And everybody else is like, nope, he's just going to find yeah. a place to fit in. I hate so, that yeah. when they, they say like, okay, what country can we do? I'm like, no, 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 no. You do in. your crap and let me come to you. Don't, yeah. don't. Because that's what happens at open jams is they go, okay, okay let's, let's call a random country tune that yeah. nobody really knows to fit this fiddle player yeah. I'm like no 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 yeah. you're gonna you're gonna mess the song up because nobody sure. else knows this nobody everybody else knows a 12 bar but they 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 suck at two steps because gotcha. they don't ever they, they, they play the shuffles field. the funks and you know Got it. but uh but anyway yeah so well cool man um uh what what's your name your band again oh my band's yeah. name is multiphonic if you go to multiphonicmusic.com mm -hmm. check out we've got a big song list and we've got some uh recordings, mostly live recordings. I'm fortunate because a couple of the guys uh, that play in the band, they do, uh, like if you ever get the music cards from Hallmark or like the the uh, ornaments on the tree that, that have a song to it, they record all that stuff. And oh, that's they cool. They play a lot of the instruments for a lot of it too. Mm -hmm. uh, so so fortunately, we have like top-notch recordings and top-notch sound too. That's another nice thing. Uh, we're talking about like loading in quick and all that sort of thing. Like basically, we load in as quick as possible. We have as little as possible to still have a really, really great sound. Like I've yeah. seen people bring just like a couple small speakers and it's like, well, you did load in with a very little thing really fast, but your sound quality is not that great. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we've got like, you know, the digital board where he's got to dial in like, this is exactly the I want on this drum and this drum and this is exactly what I want you know 
for, for each thing, EQ every single thing in the mix. So yeah. it, it's pretty nice to be able they, to do they that. Don't, they don't bring in their multiphonic, yeah. They don't bring in their triple stack for their harmonica, you know, like oh, wow, uh, those yeah. freaking guys. <laughs> no, I don't even have a keyboard amp. Like I just, I have a wedge that is my monitor that, yeah. that brings my, you know, brings all the vocals in and my keyboards basically, you know, and mm -hmm. a, maybe a little bit of a few other things. Uh, so uh, yeah, we, we do we do try to tear down as much as we can. The guitar player usually brings a tiny little amp, you know. Yeah, that's another funny thing that you just in said. In your monitors is, as much as possible for everybody else. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny you just said that because like making making jingle recordings for uh, uh, for Christmas tree ornaments, you know, like yeah. in, in the music scene, you know, what kind of jobs could you get? You know? Absolutely. That's I another one that like nobody would think of. Yeah, they both know? love it. They love yeah, their jobs. It's that's so, funny. so great. They get to, they love recording in the first place. They love, yeah. you know, they get to basically write and arrange a lot of stuff. They get to work with other people to, to work together on all these things. They love it. Yeah. And something that, you know, yeah, when you're, you know, 17, thinking about going to college, you know, and where am I going to, what am I going to do with my life and all this sort of thing. And then, you know, it's something you wouldn't necessarily think of. But. Mm. Like you listen to like Family Matters or something, that show Family Matters. See, that theme song is killer. You know, I mean, yeah. there's some shows that I've got, and then you go listen to some of these like, Man. like uh, commercial jingles and you're like, oh my God, this is terrible. See, my guitar player, <laughs> he used to write jingles all the time for his main gig before that too, uh, writing jingles for all kinds of stuff. But yeah, yeah well, he really loved it. Uh, I, I know you. I feel like you keep wind, trying to wind down the interview. No, no like I, I, I talk yeah. about this forever, man. Oh yeah, all we could talk crap, like yeah. all day long yeah. for several days in a row, and I would really enjoy it. But another thing I love too is like everybody in my band is an educated musician. It doesn't have to be that way. I love, there's lots mm. of people I played with. The first guitar player we had, uh, he would say things like, "This is in the key of A sharp," you know, and uh, you know, it's like, "Well, that's actually just B flat," and he's like, "It's the same thing, right?" Well, we can explain it to you if you want, but you know, but and he was a great player. I love yeah. playing. One of my best friends. But and I only don't play with him because he moved out of state. You know, it's like that's one of the nice things about you know working in a band where you've got a rule that everybody has to be a nice guy. And, you know, you're all on the same page like we talked about right. before. What's the goals in the band? But I love playing with educated musicians because like you know our singer, she's an elementary music teacher too. She's a great piano player, even though I play keys in the band. But uh, you know we can just say like anything about theory and like everybody in the band knows it. I could tell the the drummer, oh can on the acapella part can you sing the chord roots? And he's like, oh got it, and he'll get it. You know, and I could or I could say like can you take the third and then you know go from uh, me to fa when it goes to the four chord. And he's like, oh yeah sure. You know the drummer. You know you wouldn't expect that. You know or you know or even the singer. A lot of the time you wouldn't expect that to be able to say like oh, okay can you start on the fifth of the chord with your harmony and then go from there. Right. And then she just writes a great line. You know yeah. like. You, you know, it's it's so for me. I love being able to play with uh, people to where you can just talk about it, and it it just makes it a shortcut for all that. Oh, Which yeah. basically, too, like that's one of the things I try to get across to people. We were talking earlier about uh, teaching things too soon, but like the reason for theory is that then you can talk about music abstractly and basically give yourself a shortcut. You know, like I, I could yeah. sit down and show you something and be like, oh yeah, here's this thing. But you know, you and I could talk about it and say like, oh yeah. okay, you know, here's this cool little chromatic lick and I can explain it to you and then you know exactly and you can do it in all 12 keys. You know, so that, that's the beauty of theory basically is it makes that shortcut. A lot of people try to jump to that at the beginning though is what I was saying. Right, like, you know, yeah. you gotta play music first. And, and anybody that's great at music, if nobody's taught them theory, they've come up with their own framework of theory. They just aren't using the same names as everybody else. Right, and, and that names is funny because I've had that, I mean, this is a thing back to the choosing the bands, is that everybody does this. I mean, they they can sort of feel where the other guys are at, you know? I mean, if, yeah, you know, and, and definitely, That's definitely like for, for an example of, of just like theory knowledge, where you have the guys that are the cowboy chord guys, and they, they, yeah. they know about seven chords, and they can play in these four keys, and they have their three chord songs, and, and then you go over to the jazz guys, and they're like, you, you drop them this 30 chord Stevie Wonder tune and they're like, please, you know, yeah. and, 
So we all kind of do that with the with the the whole uh, what's uh, what is your deal breaker you know argument of going into a band and you know I I'm just gonna you know. I, I have enough money, right, in my personal life or whatever, and I'm I'm not playing with, I'm not playing with this level anymore. You know, sure. I'm, I'm kind of over right. it, and, and I'm gonna go in where the people where I go. Okay, this is a you know six four two five one, and the guys are like boom, Man, yeah, and they know exactly what you're talking about. So for me, like uh, professionally, that's my attitude. You know, right. like in my band, that's what I want to do. Right. You know, but honestly, uh, you know, anytime outside of that, for my birthday this year, uh, you know, I just had a jam session in my house, uh, and sure, there are people that you know could you that's know barely play. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And to me though, yeah. like I think it's very important to make sure that everyone has that attitude of it does not matter that I am better than you at this. Like I'm going to bring yeah. it the same thing to the table and I'm gonna try and make you sound good you know and you're gonna do the same thing to me and we're all gonna work together and the, there is no looking down on anybody you know yeah. like that's really important to me and I asked like for instance I asked my saxophone player one time because he is considerably better than I am I took lessons from him for a couple semesters mm -hmm. uh, for yeah. grad credit because I was like you know for continuing education I need credit and I was like I'm gonna take jazz improv lessons from him right and uh, I asked him one time about that I was like yeah some of my friends they're they're always like so thankful you know like hey thanks for playing with me tonight it was fun to have this little jam session in my house you know and, like, we really appreciate that you're better than us, you know, and that you played with us and all. And I'm always like, of course, like, this is what I love to do, you know, it mm -hmm. doesn't matter to me. I was like, how do you feel? Like, you know, I mean, I should be thanking you every time then if that, that that's the case because you're considered better than I am. And he was like, man, I'm just happy people are making music. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Which, yeah. you know, uh, I think we talked about it when I first walked in, but, you know, I'm amazed at like some of the best players that are just absolutely world class, like that guy, or I mean, Scotty, like he's yeah. just a world class player, you know? Like those guys are just the nicest guys in the world, you know? Mm. And you hear stories, and I think people sometimes get the perception that like somebody who's really so great and everything is going to be some rock star attitude that's, you know, mm. no, most Not of those guys always, are just yeah. nice as can be, yeah. just happy that people are making music, you know, that same kind of attitude. So I think that's really important to bring to the table all the time. Mm -hmm. In the same way I was talking before about like, you know, no matter what you're doing, try and bring that to the table of like the, I'm going to make an aesthetic experience out of this, you know, even if it's like, I really don't like that song or, you know, or what kind of band I'm playing. I used to hate country music uh, and mm -hmm. uh, my band plays country music now and mm -hmm. I love it. We have a great time with it. It's so yeah, much fun. Your attitude is huge. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. you, you can make this a horrible experience for yourself and for everybody else and, yeah. and where you can make it a really good experience. Yeah, in Vic Wooten's yeah. book, he talked about uh, how, uh, like, he used to look down on bluegrass, you know, and then realize, like, no, this is a whole style of music that lots and lots of people love, you know. Well, there's got to be something to it. There is, <laughs> And then he yeah, found out, oh, yeah, yeah, there is. There's a lot of great, you yeah, know, and bluegrass. Like, that, that's, what's, that's what's funny to me when you're choosing, when you're going into to, to bands and you're, you're just going to have this terrible time you know, because your attitude is so, is so bad. And the, I, I found, I found that I used to have this problem where I would look at people and feel like I'm on a certain level. And then all these other guys at the jam, I'm going to be like, oh, those guys, you know, and not just about their music playing, but about them as people. Oh, gotcha. You know what I mean? And that's a whole uh -huh. other conversation that, that, that I think musicians tend to, talk a lot to other musicians and then we accidentally forget about the rest of the people in the world huh. we, we only have friends that are other teachers other musicians and I know I've, I've been bad at that in the past where if somebody came in to the jam and they get up there and they kind of are you know terrible I kind of I kind of didn't really want to go talk to them Oh, you know, and gotcha. I only wanted to talk to the Scotty McBees of the world, you know, and go be gotcha. friends with them huh. and that was really selfish of me, you know, they're sure. really stupid and I, I remembered that or I started to realize, I'm like, 
if I went and talked to this guy, I realized that he is like a killer engineer or a killer sure. something else. And yeah. I'm like, this guy is a rock star in the engineering field. Yeah. He just started, he just started playing like four months ago, but he's like an awesome, nice guy. And he, he yeah. just, he just hasn't had 400 violin lessons, you know, and sure. we, we talked about this in our interview he hasn't put a couple in 10, days ago. Hours, but... He hasn't put in his 10,000 <laughs> hours, you know, so I, I've been trying to be better at that, be more sure. open-minded with people and not just, have, have you found that, that musicians tend to hang out with only other musicians? And I think like, I kind of, I mean, I think yeah. at this point I've surrounded myself with people who have a positive attitude about it, so I don't yeah. see that so much, you know, yeah. but I mean, I also don't go to a lot of jam sessions, so maybe that is more of a thing. But even just the scene in general. Yeah, even, well, even see, just, even the yeah, scene, yeah. it's funny because, because my band hasn't had a lot of turnover, you know, it's only like somebody moves or like, yeah. you know, oh, I'm having a baby, I'd really like to have, you know, my weekend's free all the time. You know, like, yeah. that, that's why people have left my band, right? So, um, uh, so I generally don't know a lot. Like people are always asking me, "Oh, do you know so and so? Do you know so and so?" You know, and plus, what I do, it's not like I split a gig with another band or anything. So, mm. you know, like sometimes I'll fill in. It's funny because people ask me if I know other trumpet players. I'm like, no. If I'm if I'm playing trumpet, like, you know all bass players and all yeah. saxophone because you don't ever play. I know with saxophone players, players more than anything yeah. because just because yeah. our saxophone player plays so much with other people too that yeah. you know I'll call somebody else for saxophone. So I know other saxophone players because of that. But you know. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, I know I, I can think back to like when I was a teenager looking down on people like, oh, well, they just know a handful of pop songs that are like, you know, not too good, you know, yeah, and so yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. I looked down on that guitar player because he's not like serious sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, I do remember thinking that, you know, like when I was a, you know, a, you know, a young guy and also older, a young musician, yeah. you know, but yeah, by the time I was in, in uh, by the time I left college, just put it that way, you know, I definitely had that attitude by then of like, you know, I just want people to make music. So yeah. I need to encourage that, not like discourage right. it, you know, not, not look down on people for than anything like that. I'm just happy, you know, when anybody's making any music, just go, you know? Yeah, all my, all, in the gigging world, like you said, when you get into that idea of, of being the sideman or whatever, all my friends are bass players yeah, and drummers, you know, because I, I, don't, I don't ever play with, you don't play with violin, violin players. players, you know, so it's like they're all these knucklehead drummer and bass players that are turds, you know, just like totally... Yeah, you know what we mean, but uh, but anyway, yeah. we plus could, a lot of yeah. my friends are just multi instrumentalists too, which is fun, you know, because then you cool. then you get together and play like, for instance, a jam or something like that. And a lot of time, I'm not, just, I'm yeah, not playing trumpet; yeah, I get to play yeah. bass for a change, yeah. you know, which I don't normally play these days. Or you know, sit down at the drum set for a little bit, and you know, it's fun. You know, a lot of that stuff too. Uh, it's like we were talking about styles earlier too. A lot of it is just getting in your ear what it's supposed to sound like, and then you can fake it. So I mean, I think too that's something for for people is uh, you were talking about listening, for instance, to classical music. Mm -hmm. But you know, uh, like I played uh, just like last month at that jam session where they were doing the Thursday thing, and it, they did a shuffle. And I had played drums, like I said, for a year, and I learned to play like a reggae beat because we played a wide variety right. of stuff. I learned to play some jazz even, and I played rock songs, but I'd never played a shuffle before actually, mm -hmm. right? right? But uh, I was sitting down at the drums because there there was no drummer in the room at the time, and so I was like hey nobody's playing drums on this I'll go over there instead of play trumpet and I play drums on a song and then the next song they start up is definitely a shuffle groove and I was like I've never played a shuffle alright but I know what it's supposed to sound like mm -hmm. you know so it's like you can get that yeah. kind of stiff sound to it and everything. I was like, I can do this, you know? So, <laughs> that you know, stiff sound. And you know what I mean? It's got that, like, that stiff kind of groove to it. I don't know how else to explain it. Maybe that's not the right word if for it. If I tried to play it, it would sound pretty stiff. Well, it's supposed you to know, sound yeah, like, yeah. you know, like, like the the dotted part is longer than in a jazz, you know, that that's more of a triplet kind of thing. Yeah, you know? it's, right. it's like, you know how like that, that sure. dotted note 
for the data day quarter can be placed all over the place. And so I just know what it's supposed to sound like. We got done with it, and the guy that had started the song was like, well, that's the best we've ever played that. <laughs> and I was like, I've actually never played a shuffle before. <laughs> he was like, what well, sounded great? Well, yeah, because I know what it's supposed to sound like. So I think there's there's another tip for people is like, you know, get to know what all those different styles sound like. So when you do find yourself in that yeah. situation, you know, you're where prepared. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you're saying like, oh yeah, do your thing and I'll just fit in on fiddle. Well, you have to know what the song's supposed to sound like, you know, what the style is. You have to right. know the style. And then it's fun, like you were saying, to throw in chromatic things on a song that doesn't normally right. have it. Um, you know, uh, James, my saxophone player, he pointed out to me, like, that's what Charlie Parker did all the time. If you look at his 12-bar blues, he'll play something real melodic, and then he'll go in and just blue scale, something fairly simple. You know, you could definitely teach, you know, a middle school kid to play some of those licks in sure. a jazz band or something like that. And then he'll end the last four bars of the turnaround with all kinds of crazy harmonic neat stuff and really neat rhythmics just all over the place. And then he'll go right back into a lot of the time like an easy blue scale, more rests here and there. And, you know, it's that back and forth between the two that really works. And so, right. you know, in any style, you can say, well, I'll just throw in this for a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, and then I go to what the normal style is and, you know, you can really make something with it. Charlie went halftime, right? I mean, he went up twice as fast or whatever on... A lot of stuff, yeah. Day, you know, going... Yeah, even on the ballad. Yeah, even on the ballad. Yeah, sure. Man, it's yeah, those guys... Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. And it's amazing all the things you can do with music, you know. I mean, like, for Western music, we have the same 12 notes, basically, and they could mm -hmm. just be so many things you can do with it. Yeah. You know, plus we're usually playing in threes and fours, and, you know, even just within that, like in our Western music, there's just so much you can do. With, mm -hmm. You know, even within any style, it's just, you know, it's just never-ending. That's part of the beauty of music is that, you know, every day you, you learn something new, and you can try something new. and. Mm -hmm. Oh, and once yeah, again, man. have that great feeling inside from the aesthetic experience of it. So, <laughs> which is why I want everybody to make music, you know, be involved, yeah. whether it's dancing, playing, yeah. singing, hopefully all of the above, you know, to some extent, even if it's just I'm playing a hand drum sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I don't mean to say just, but, you know, as opposed to, you know, a drum set in a rock band or something that they might think is, you know, different than I've got a hand drum, but, you know. Yeah, cool, not, man. Just for the record, I'm not judging somebody as a lesser musician because they play hand drums. <laughs> <laughs> What did the drummer get on his SAT? Well, drool. Oh, you no. Know, yeah, so, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> but anyway. All right, well, let's let's uh, say your band name one more time. Multiphonic. Multiphonic. Um, this has been uh, Mark Hamlin. Thanks, yeah. man. Thank yeah, you for yeah. having me. I really enjoyed the yeah. discussion. Like I said, we could talk all day. Yeah, so. You probably could. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be back sometime. Listening, yeah, so. I'll be back sometime. We'll do it, do it again. But uh, Mark Hamlin, um, get out of here. We'll see you later. Thank you.